It's time for a wellness revolution. Brought to you by Hotsi Health and Wellness Center. Honest discussion on maintaining health and wellness naturally to enjoy a better quality of life. He's a doctor fighting to let you keep your doctor. Now, Dr. Stephen Hotsi. Welcome to Dr. Hotsi's Wellness Revolution. I'm Stacey Banfield here with Dr. Stephen Hotsi, founder of the Hotsi Health and Wellness Center. And remember, Everybody needs a health coach. And one thing that you can do is download our podcasts. You can go to hotzepodcast.com. That's H-O-T-Z-E podcast.com. We have such a treat for you today. We've got Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on the line with us. And she knows all things about vaccines, what to do, what not to do. And I have to say, we have so many um, good guests on our program. But this is one that's just like this clarion call, this, you know, call to arms. Just, hey, pay attention. This is really serious stuff. So, we're so glad to have her on the program with us today. Yes, uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is an osteopathic medical doctor, board certified in three specialties. She's the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, a medical center located near Cleveland, Ohio. That's almost in Canada, the other side of the lake of Canada. <laughs> That's way up north. Opened in 1996. She provides natural and holistic approaches to getting well and getting people off of pharmaceutical prescription medications. The medical clinic's primary focus is on hypothyroidism, thyroid conditions, breast health, and resolving problems associated with allergies and pain. She has guests or patients from all 50 states in the in the United States and, and from over 17 countries across the world that come to her. But what Dr. Tenpenny is best known for is her ardent advocacy and opposition to this crazy vaccination tidal wave that has really covered up our country over the last 20 and 30 years. You know, when I grew up, I think I had, I don't know, I think I had a smallpox vaccine and I did a salt vaccine, and I got a DPT shot. That was it for my – but now I think there are well more than 15 to 20 different vaccines that the drug companies have come up with, pharmaceutical companies have come up with to give to the children, and we're going to discuss that today. She's an internationally renowned speaker. You can find her work on uh, Tenpenny – uh, you can just Google Sherry – S-H-E-R-R-I, Tenpenny, T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y. Just like Miss Penny that was on James Bond. <laughs> oh. Except I you look, except you look, you look a whole lot, you look <laughs> a whole lot better. I've heard that more than once. What was her name? Her name was Tenpenny, wasn't it? I guess so. I, I missed that movie, I have to say. It was Money Penny. <laughs> Money Penny. Oh, Money Penny, okay. That's right. It was Money Penny. Okay. <laughs> Or you can go to her website, Vaxter, V-A-X-X-T as in Tommy, E-R.com, and you get all the blogs and articles about vaccination. So, Dr. Tenpenny, tell us about yourself. Tell us where you grew up, where you ended up going off to medical school, and how did you end up in Cleveland, and then how did you get interested in vaccines after you had already been in practice? Well, thank you for having me on today, Dr. Hotsey. I, you know, you and I met quite a few years ago, and so it's really good to uh, to recycle and reconnect, and so that's really great, and I really appreciate it. Well, I'm like an old penny. I just keep showing up <laughs> in your pocket, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I was born and raised in, in um, uh, I'm an Ohio girl. I was born and raised here. I went to medical school in Missouri. I did my postgraduate work in Detroit. And then I moved back to Ohio and I was the director of an emergency department in Finley, Ohio for 13 years. And then I, in 1996, I moved to Cleveland to start an in, my integrative medical practice here, Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center. And I'm always proud to say that in our small little space, we've had patients from all 50 states and about 17 countries to come here and go through our innovative allergy treatment program and to get well and get off of their medications. Now, at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center, we do very much the same thing. Uh, I'm interested in your allergy testing and treatment. Do you do both airborne and food allergies? We do. Okay. And, and when you treat, do you use sublinguals, sublingual drops? We do not. That is, a, hey, we'll have to talk offline, but that, <laughs> that is, that's the way to go with the, with the allergy, with, with the sublingual drops. I used to do injections years ago. I started as an allergy. We don't do injections either. Well, good. So, uh, yeah, that's right. You don't even probably don't believe in immunization for allergies. <laughs> no <laughs> needles. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so uh, so you do you do allergy and you do thyroid. I presume yeah. use desiccated thyroid when it's available. Right. And uh, you're doing natural bioidentical hormones. Yes. Hey, right on. And, and we have a really large breast thermography program here. Good. So we do a lot with we we do a lot with breast thermography and and um, just a really breast health wellness program that we have. And then I do a lot as an osteopathic physician. I do a lot of osteopathic manipulation, and I use an injection technique using a mannitol, which is a sugar water right. for a, acute and chronic pain, which has a, a, probably an eighty-five to ninety percent effectiveness rate for localized types of pain. It doesn't work for generalized things like fibromyalgia, but if you've got a localized knee, hip, shoulder, back, carpal tunnel, something, <laughs> headaches, we can use mannitol with great success. That's, that's very interesting. By the way, have you, uh, have you, do you use any stem cell treatment there yet? I do not. It's something I'm interested in, but we haven't incorporated that as of yet. Right. Okay. So you set up your, your, uh, the Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center there in Cleveland. How did you get interested in vaccines? Well, it's an interesting it's an interesting tale because I grew up in a chiropractic family, three generations of chiropractors. My grandfather, my father, two uncles, and three cousins were chiropractors, and actually, that's how I decided to become an osteopathic physician because I wanted to ha do everything that an MD could do, but I also wanted that structural medicine tool in my toolbox. So um, I had never been vaccinated as a kid and went through all of the age-appropriate measles, mumps, rubella, and chickenpox and didn't understand why it was such a big deal. And then in about the summer of 2000, I received a, an inexpensively made trifold brochure in the mail from the National Vaccine Information Center saying that they were having a conference in September of 2000. And for some reason, that that every time I went to throw that brochure away, it seemed to like never want to leave my kitchen counter. And so I, I called them and said, when's your next conference? And they said, we may never have another one. And I thought, well, doggone it, I should probably go. So when I went to that meeting in September of 2000, it was like the scales just fell off of my eyes and I and, and I just started learning things that I'd never even thought to do before. Where was, this, came, where was the conference held? It was in Washington, D.C. Okay. 
and who was who was the group that was putting it on? I mean, what who were the people behind this group? It was an anti-vaccine group, I presume. It was the National Vaccine Information Center, Barbara Low Fisher's group. Okay. And when I went to that meeting, when I came home, I thought, well, I should probably look into this. Where do I start? Well, I started with CDC documents, and then I went to all of the mainstream medical journals like Pediatric um, Infectious Disease and Vaccine and JAMA and the New England Journal. And the more that I read, the more that I realized that what was already, what, there was so much that was already out there. And now, after 18 years and more than 30,000 hours of investigative journalism and investigative study into the problems associated with vaccines, I stand firmly on the fact that vaccines are not safe that schedule has never been proven to be safe, the interaction between all the different chemicals and antigens. Effective is not a synonym for protection, and vaccines are causing irreparable harm to the human DNA and human genetics at all age groups, from babies all the way through seniors. Okay, what are some of the commonly held public misconceptions about, about uh, vaccines? Oh gosh, Steve, there's so many. <laughs> Well, I know people think, you know, they're safe. I mean, the doctor's telling me to do it. My pediatrician's telling me to take care of my baby. And, and of course, the medical profession, the conventional doctors say they're very effective. And uh, this is the way we get a decline in illnesses by vaccinating people. And it's the only way to prevent infectious diseases. Those are some of the misconceptions that they have. Tell us about vaccines. How many vaccines currently are there that are given to children, let's say before the age of six or 10, somewhere in that? How many? Well, the number, the numbers have grown exponentially and, and, and sort of the way, what you said at the beginning of this, of this interview or this podcast, when you said, I only think I had a couple of vaccines. And that was very true because up through 1985, there were only three vaccines. There was DPT, which is diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussa. There was MMR, which is measles, mumps, and rubella. And there was polio. And it was at that point in time, up through 2002, it was the oral polio drops. So there were only three. They weren't really tracked closely for school requirements. Most kids probably got one or two doses but didn't get the full schedule. And that was up through 1985. Beginning in 1991, there was this big ramp up in the pediatric schedule when we started giving the hepatitis B vaccine at birth and that the is, Hib vaccine at two months of age. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's go back. Hepatitis B vaccine given at birth to children is about as crazy an idea as you could ever have. That is just, it's, it's just, it's almost it's just criminal. It is criminal. It's just and the, because it's, these, it's absolutely the, criminal. And when we, it's the most neurotoxic mo, uh, vaccine I think they've ever created. We give it to one to two year old, one and two day old babies. The initial vaccine was only tested on five and ten year old children, not infants. And the reason we started giving it wasn't because we had raging epidemics of hepatitis B in this country. In fact, the year that we decided to give hepatitis B to newborn babies, there were only 14,000 cases of hepatitis B in children between the ages of five and 18, only 15,000 out of the millions of kids that are here. But we decided to do it because hepatitis B is common in Southeast Asia, so we need to give it to new more babies here. 
Right. And uh, hepatitis B can only be transmitted by blood or by perverted sexual acts. That's the only way it can be. So there's no way that little baby, a one- or two-day-old baby or a young child, is going to have any problem with hepatitis. If it were even rampant, they wouldn't have a problem with it. That's correct. So, and so a child's immune system develops. It takes at least a year for the child's immune system to even become developed. So we're giving vaccines to children whose immune systems are already depressed. What have been the long range and I've told all my kids I said don't let you don't you let my grandkids have any hepatitis B you just tell them no you're not doing that they're not doing it at all so what what have been the long-term effects of the hepatitis B vaccine we've been giving it for how many years now well since 1991 I believe that we we um we cause brain damage in newborn babies, so as they develop and their IQs never fully develop to the point of their of their maximum potential, it just isn't. I mean, even if your kid's really smart, how much smarter could they have been if we had not given 22 vaccines with 95 total antigens, 25 micrograms of mercury, and almost 5,000 micrograms of aluminum injected into babies between birth and one year of age. That's just birth and one year of age, and it goes up from there. That's 22 vaccines, 95 vaccine antigens, which is the particles of the viruses and the bacteria that are in them, 25 micrograms of mercury, and almost 5,000 micrograms of aluminum between birth and one year of age. That's staggering when you think about it. Well, talk about the adverse effects of mercury and aluminum on a child's immune system, on their brain function, and all that. Tell us about that. Well, there's a synergistic effect between mercury and aluminum that are injected. And it's interesting because... um, The vaccine industry would lead you to believe that if you took a flu shot and you injected it into the left thigh, which has 25 micrograms of mercury, and you took a DPT vaccine, which has 625 um, micrograms of aluminum, and you injected it into the right thigh, that that kept those those, uh, molecules of metals apart and so that didn't cause any synergistic toxicity. I mean, and they they tell us that are though that are opposed to vaccines. They call us anti-science. I think these people are like idiots. <laughs> they they don't they that when you put two metals together in, in a in liquid a bo- environment, it's it, it causes something called a zeta potential, Z-E-T-A. That zeta potential causes an, causes an electromagnetic frequency that disrupts the lymphatics. It disrupts the brain. It does all kinds of things. So the mercury has always been a problem. The mercury is out of most of the vaccines with the exception of the flu shot. But in the meantime, as they were taking the mercury out, they were loading up these vaccines with aluminum. Dr. Hotze, when you, if, you, if a child gets every single vaccine and every single dose of all the pro-vaccine parents out there, from the time they're born until they are 18 years of age, they will have had injected almost 13 milligrams or of of aluminum into their body. That's uh, that's thirteen thousand nine hundred and twenty-five milligrams. Micrograms. Mil- uh, sorry, micrograms. Right. Yes, thirteen thousand micrograms. 
And so we know that that the, the aluminum is never really cleared from the body. When it's cleared at all, it's cleared through the gallbladder. Gallbladders in kids don't start functioning until they're two years of age. And by that point in time, they've had already had 5,000, almost 5,000 micrograms of aluminum. So where does it go? Does it get clogged up in the kidneys? Does it get deposited in the bone marrow? Or because it's also given in conjunction with polysorbate 80, which is a chemical that opens up the blood-brain barrier and allows anything else in the neighborhood to go swooping into the brain, are we predisposing these kids to ADD, ADHD, um, all sorts of cognitive dysfunction at a very early age and in increasing their risk of dementia and Alzheimer's as they get older because we've opened up the blood-brain barrier and all that aluminum just goes sailing into the brain tissue. Well, you know, I th you make a very good point uh, about the neurotoxicity of the metals, mercury and aluminum on the brain. We know lead causes very similar problems. But uh, as you're talking about it, maybe the rise in the so-called ADHD or, you know, ADD, people have the, uh, you know, the deficit. Attention deficit disorder. Attention de deficit mm -hmm. disorder when they have these problems. It could well relate back to the fact that all these kids have been vaccinated and they've got all this all this metal in their brain, the, the uh, aluminum as well as the mercury. This could be one of the underlying causes. I think foods are another cause of that. Yep. And in combination, it's synergistically, it just makes yep. things, you know, Feinstein had had, had his uh, the whole idea about the dyes and the chemicals. That's the Feinstein Feingold diet. That was Feingold talked about the how these various colorings and additives that they put in the food, the chemical sensitivities, cause children to be ADD. And of course, we know just some regular foods, sugar. You know, some kids are allergic to wheat, corn, or egg, or milk, Dairy. or yeast, mm -hmm. or soybean. Those things can precipitate. Uh, allergic reactions that release histamines that cause them to have attention deficit disorder. And of course, in the, just having the fact that they've been exposed to all these vaccines with the metals and that gets into their brain. Besides that, then they go to the doctor, their dentist, and they slap mercury in their teeth on top of it, which has got, to be, right. e which has got <laughs> to even be worse than the vaccines as far as the amount of I don't know what this what the doses would, you would get out of uh, mercury amalgams, but it's got to be enormously high. And, and then you add some fluoride in with that. Right. And no, the GMO yeah, food I, I, your, you said fluoride. Um, yeah, you add fluoride I, into that and you got it's just you've got a you've got a mess. And of course, it's easily solved though. You just give them <laughs> give them Adderall or Concerta. Yes, right? and they're just the pharmaceutical give drugs. An, give them an amphetamine and help out. We could give them an amphetamine <laughs> and get them all squared away. That's a terrible terrible system. Yeah. So anyway, so vaccines are a big part I'll assure you just knowing the biochemistry of this all, they play a significant role in the problems that children have with attention deficit disorder, uh, learning disabilities, autism. Now, we looked at a, we looked at a movie this last week, uh, our whole staff did, entitled The Magic Pill. Have you seen that? It's a documentary, and it's about the Western diet and how it was exported to other areas of the world. And how these healthy, <laughs> healthy Aborigines would start eating Western diet. They get big and fat, get diabetes and heart disease and the whole nine yards. So uh, in, in that program, though, there's one young girl with autism that once they changed her 
diet and got her eating healthy, it dramatically improved her autism. So uh, we know that it's a combination. These kids have problems with, uh, with autism, and we know there could be a number of different factors that are working together to cause their bucket, let's say, their immune bucket to overflow. They just can't handle any more stress on the system, whether it's from improper foods, improper diet, chemicals in the foods, chemicals in their drinks, uh, the metals they get from vaccines and all that. So it's a combination that builds up and that some children just get overwhelmed and, and they can't handle it. I remember seeing uh, a young a mother brought in her young daughter who was about four years old and she was laying on the ground and just drooling. And I said, what happened? She said, a year ago, she was fine. I took her in to give her a vaccine. And, mm. that, and the next day, that's, and she's been that way ever since. And I asked the doctor, could the vaccine cause? He goes, no, couldn't cause that. Of course not. I mean, but I mean, here, she gives, gets it. She's a healthy little girl, gets a vaccine shot. The next day she wakes up and she's, she's autistic now. So, uh, and you I'm know, sure I, I, I wrote an article called, um, called the Thanksgiving blue foot syndrome. <laughs> and the, it was sort of a, it was, it was actually written to be sarcastic. And it was this whole tale of that right around Thanksgiving, the parent, this little child suddenly ended up with this horribly painful blue foot and started crying and the parents didn't know what to do. And they went to doctor to doctor and the doctor finally said, yes, we're really sorry that this is what happened to your child. We don't know what causes it. We don't know why it comes. We know that there's no treatment for it. And the, um, and, but we know absolutely that it had absolutely nothing to do with that frozen turkey that you dropped on his foot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that's because that's what we do in the vaccine industry. We don't know what caused your child to have asthma, allergies, eczema, ADD, ADHD, insulin-dependent diabetes, a long list of neurological problems, all this autoimmunity. We have no idea what causes it. We, but we know absolutely for sure, 100%, it had nothing to do with the vaccine because what comes through that needle is a, is a dose of holy water. It blesses you and makes you healthy. And so, therefore, it could have nothing to do with what's coming through that needle. Well, now, recently, in the last several years, there's been the vaccine for, I guess it was HPV. That, Gardasil. Gar, yeah, Gardasil. Gardasil. That was for HPV, human papillo. Uh, Virus, mm-hmm. is that right, uh, Doctor? Yep. Uh huh. And, yeah, a, and now here, here's that. what happened here in Texas. The uh, one of the a good friend of the governor got the lobbying contract from the company that makes Gardasil. Who makes who? Who is it that makes Merck? Merck. Merck does. Okay, so Merck makes it, and they put they put this lobbyist on a contract, and next thing you know, the governor's by executive order has said Gardasil's got to be given to all the girls in school, you know. Well, that created an uproar in the legislature, and that thing got oh, completely overturned here in Texas. I think that was back in 2006, 2007, around They were going to mandate that. And, of course, tell us about the mandating of by states, how the, how the, how the money game operates. Tell us how the money game. They come, you know, the pharmaceutical companies come up with a vaccine. And, of course, the best way to do if you have a product is force people to have to do it by rule of law. Tell us how that works. Well, it's exactly what you said. Um, if vaccines were so good for you, why do they have to pass laws to force you to get them? 
And I've all, I've long said from a, a sort of a libertarian anarchist sort of perspective that the separation between me and my government will begin at the level of my skin. And no one will be will force something into my body uh, by injection that is against my will. And so this whole concept of informed consent, I think, has become a misnomer. I mean, for many, many years, for decades now, we've talked about the importance in the vaccine industry of informed consent, that doctors only promote how good vaccines are, they're safe, they're effective, they'll keep you from getting sick, they'll do all these great things, but they never tell you the downside. And as you know, as a physician, there's, there's never anything in medicine that's 100% okay. And so and there, in terms of, of drugs or vaccines or surgeries or any of those things, there's always a potential risk. So physician, pediatricians and family doctors who administer vaccines and nurses um, are not telling people the full story. And so there has been for decades this whole thing about I need to have we need to give parents fully informed consent. They hear all the good side, all the bad side, um, and allow them to choose. But now that they are forcing these mandatory vaccination laws, like they did in California a couple years ago with SB 277, what they have done in Italy, France, Romania, Germany, um, and other places in Europe, is that you can be fully informed. You can know all the problems. You can know all the side effects. But if you don't have a right to refuse and say, no, thank you. I don't want that medicine. I don't want that surgery. No, thank you. If you don't have a right to not consent, then what good is informed consent? And they're trying to, and they're doing all sorts of things, like they're backdooring things in in terms of rules. In fact, tomorrow we're testifying on a new bill that they're trying to pass here in Ohio. It's House Bill 569, I believe. No, it's 559. And what it is is that parents, you know, we have a philosophical exemption in Ohio similar to the one in Texas. And so always in the past, parents just wrote their letter. If I, I'm, I'm exercising my philosophical right to refuse, and if there's an outbreak of whatever, I'll keep my kid home. Well, now they're saying in order to obtain that exemption, you have to have an appointment with a CDC-trained physician so that they can tell you about why you should be vaccinated and therefore bully you into being a bad parent. And unless you go to one of those doctors, the state will not honor your exemption. Wow. Well, well, we wrote that, and this is happening all across the country. So I, my testimony that's being read into ne- tomorrow basically equates what they are doing is creating in propaganda in um, educational camps. And there was just an article that came out like a couple of months ago in February, where in China, they, they put 100 Christians into a camp to indoctrinate them about communism and how they needed to change their ways about their beliefs. We did that in, you know, the Vietnamese did that. You know, we did that to Japanese people. We have these these comp- uh, these camps where they're indoctrination camps. And is this what we're starting to do in this country is force responsible parents who made a an intelligent decision that I'm not going to blindly follow my pediatrician and allow my child to be injected with 200 chemicals and heavy metals and 57 vaccines by the time they're 18 years of age. They have researched this and they are responsible. And now we need to take them to an indoctrination camp in order to allow them to refuse. What are we doing here in this country, mm-hmm. Dr. Hotze? And mm-hmm. how can we, and we have to keep fighting and educating parents to stand up against this medical tyranny because that's exactly what it is. 
Well, it is. Is whenever one group can gain control of the system, like conventional medicine has done, then they can impress through the mechanisms of the insurance plans when they put their people on the insurance, when they put the doctors are placed on the insurance plans, they write the medical practice guidelines. And if doctors taking insurance, got no choice but to do it. If you're a pediatrician and you take insurance, guess what? You've got to give vaccines. And if you don't, you don't get, you're out of the, you're out of the program. How are you going to make a living? Well, most people don't know how to make a living outside of insurance. I do. And you, I'm sure do too. You don't do, I doubt yep. that, I doubt you do any insurance. We, we're a strictly cash-based practice at the Hotel Health and Wellness Center and have been and never have joined HMOs or PPOs. As a matter of fact, Dr. Tenpenny, I have set up a new, uh, a new uh, business organization called Hotsey Elite Physicians, where our goal is over the next 10 years is to train 5,000 medical doctors in our medical and business protocols so they can help their patients get healthy and well naturally without using pharmaceutical drugs. So as they mature, they've got energy, they're vibrant, they're full of vim and vigor and enthusiasm about life. If you get older, you might as well feel good. I mean, you've got two choices. You can feel like the walking dead or you can feel vibrant and be full of life. Well, we think that the, the best way to do is to do that naturally. And what we have found, and I'm sure you found the same thing, is that when you help people get well, they're happy and they compensate you with cash for that. They're glad to pay you cash because whenever you solve somebody's problems, money always exchanges hands. And when people have their problems solved, they're glad to pay you. And, outside of the network. Well, and then that allows the doctors to have more time, more money, more freedom to enjoy their lives. So it's a win-win for everybody. But we've set that up, and uh, I'll send you our our webinar about it. We set it up. We just launched it at the A4M last, through about a month ago in uh, in Hollywood, uh, Florida. We, we launched it, and we're out uh, now working to uh, encourage doctors to become part of Hotsey Elite Physicians so they can have more time, more money, and more freedom to enjoy their lives so they, they're able to join in the fight like you're doing. Once you, once you get on a cash-based practice, it completely transforms what you can do in the amount of time you have. So you're not a slave to the insurance companies and their, and their poor pay. And uh, you're not seeing. We, we've always we've always been a cash based business ever since 1994 when I opened my practice. That's awesome. We've never we've never participated with any insurance companies, any HMOs, uh, and Medicaid. We initially uh, participated with Medicare, but I opted out of Medicare Medicare in 2002. So, um, and I hope that what you're doing here, which I think is just fantastic, is also being able to create the similar types of program, a a program for pediatricians, because pediatricians now are paid paid to vaccinate. In fact, the Blue Cross Blue Shield workbook that came out of Michigan this year that somebody got it and took a picture of it. It's, I've written about it. It's been all over the internet is that if you, um, if you, let's just use some simple numbers. Let's say you're a pediatrician and you have a thousand children in your practice. If 63% of that thousand are fully vaccinated with what they call the combo 10, which is the 10 pediatric vaccines and every dose of them, including two doses of chicken pox. If they, if they are fully vaccinated uh, uh, by two years of age, one dose of chicken pox by, by two years of age, but there's two that they should give by five. So if they get every dose of every vaccine of these 10 vaccines between birth and two years of age, the pediatricians are compensated $400 per child, per vaccinated child. 
So it's not times the 63% that are vaccinated, it's times the 1,000 kids in their practice. So that's an extra 40 grand in their pocket just for having a full, fully vaccinated kids. And this is why the pediatricians kick out the parents who don't want to vaccinate. First of all, they don't want to spend any time talking to them. Second of all, it, it lowers their, their potential of, develop, of getting their bonuses from Blue Cross Blue Shield. So the only way that we're going to get the pediatricians to start waking up and understanding that they are the sinister hand of the pharmaceutical company, that what they are doing is systematically destroying children by all of these injections, is to be able to give them a way out economically so that they can do something other than just have the pediatric well-child visits being nothing more than an opportunity to vaccinate. Right. Because if a, kid come, if a baby comes in and they just do a wellness visit, it's like $57. And then where they really make the money is off of billing for not only for each of the vaccines that are given, but for administrating the vaccines. And they can bill for the time the nurse spent with the vaccine. That's how they make their money. Mm. And so part of your, I'm hoping that, because I, you know, that your elite program, I'm sure is for all kinds of, of, of family doctors and, and, and internists and OBGYNs and all the adult type of, vac of, of, of physicians. But we really need to, to train the pediatricians in nutrition and supplements and, 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 and how to talk with parents about um, like all the milestones and what they can do to better educate their kids on reading to them and, and taking them, uh, taking the food, the bad foods out and using homeopathy. And we need to develop a program for the, for the pediatricians to economically be able to see their way out of this vaccination mill that they are married to. You told me they receive how if they're if they have sixty three percent vaccinations, complete vaccinations, they get how much per patient? Four hundred dollars. Well, ma'am, if they have a thousand patients, that's four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it is. I said the numbers wrong. That's I a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So there's no way that they basically what they've done is they bought them off. And that's that's just for vaccination. Mm -hmm. Plus, they get all their other fees along the way, you know, for giving the vaccines and the nurse and all the things you talked about. So it's basically basically the pediatrician clinics are, are basically vaccination mills. That's all they are, Steve. That's all they are, and it's the only reason. And they and they scare parents into the, and, and it's a, if this is and what always happens, it's the first child. Oh, yeah. You know, you're a new parent. Everything about it, you're exhausted. Everything is new, and we've lost our extended families. We don't. We the parent. These kids no longer go to their mom or their grandmom and say, what do you, you know, think? how do I do this? Are they sick enough? I should be concerned. Are they? They all have to go to their pediatrician. They've been bought. They've been indoctrinated to believe that they have to have a pediatrician. You know, it's so funny. I spoke at the Holistic Moms meeting. This was a few years ago. And um, at uh, lunch, there was there was probably 400 moms there. And at lunch, they had like a round, big round table that would like 12 people could sit at the table. So I sat down with these moms at this one particular table. And I said, I have a question for all of you guys here. And I mean, I, I said, this, is a, this isn't a gotcha question. This is a sincere question that you as, as new young mothers, I really want to know your answer to this. And the question was, why do you think you need a pediatrician? And all of them just kind of looked at each other and looked at each other. And then finally one young gal said, because everybody else has one. 
And they were really sincere because they all talk about my pediatrician like they would say my new shoes or my car or my house or my dog. You know, like they have to they think they have to have a pediatrician, which they do not. If your child is ill, like has seizure disorders or has insulin dependent diabetes or has cancer, you need a specialist pediatrician. But a generalized pediatrician is, in my opinion, totally worthless. They, they are nothing more than vaccination mills to generate money and make kids sick because of all those kids getting vaccines, sooner or later, they're going to have ear infections, eczema, insul- uh, asthma, all that stuff, which generates more office visits for them to prescribe drugs. Hmm. That's the system. If something That's- seems really out of the ordinary and like it shouldn't be done that way, it doesn't seem reasonable that pe- reasonable people would do it that way. There is always a money trail behind things that are done out of step, out of the ordinary, out of common, that don't make common sense. Why would you do that? Why would you give your kids all these vaccines and it it doesn't make, and fill their bodies with all these various chemicals? Why would you do that when people have lived for thousands of years without that? And you and I both know the biggest uh, aid and development in society that enables people to be healthy and well is we have, you know, running water in America. We've got good hygiene. You know, we bathe and we have uh, we have plumbing, and so it's the societies that live in a in a in a worse situation. And the poorer they are, they live in a worse situation. They don't have that. Those are the people that are going to be uh, are going to end up with a lot of diseases. But people that eat healthy and that uh, are hygienically clean, they do well. They uh, they really do. So you- there was an article that was published, it was written by, it was an investigative public article that was published in 2004 by two Harvard, Harvard researchers who did a historical backdrop and they said that the most important public health feature that had ever been created all the way back that stopped infectious stopped infections, stopped all kinds of things, was clean water, was potable water. And when we stopped, you know, because I've written a lot about this, and that it was back at the turn of the century, at the early 1900s, when we had this massive immigrations that were coming in from Eastern Europe and Russia, and they had typhoid and cholera that was killing everybody. Smallpox was seventh on the list. Measles and, and, and scarlet fever were way down the list in terms of illnesses and cause of death. It was typhus, or it was, uh, it was typhus and cholera, which are both diarrheal diseases. And when they started using a little bit of chlorine in the water and started cleaning that up, and we moved from the the uh, moved from 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 um, horses and buggies with all the sewage and everything right. on the streets into horseless carriages. You know, it you know in the early 1900s, that's when all the public health things started to change. So it's been potable water. It's been re- electricity where people could have refrigeration for their foods and hold their food longer, and they had heat and clothing. That's what has changed humanity. So when Rotary International continues to fund to the tune of multiple billions of dollars a year to eliminate the last little vestiges of a few polio viruses that remain in a few unsanitary countries, 
What if over the last 20 years we had taken those billions and billions of dollars by Rotary International and all of Bill Gates's billions of dollars and we had put it into clean water, clean food, electricity and education? Where would humanity be instead of all the sickness and illness that is just funding the pharmaceutical industry? This is this is one other point I'd like to make is that I really believe that the vaccine industry is the economic loss leader for the entire pharmaceutical industry. And an economic loss leader is like you give away the free t-shirt, you give away the free, you know, the free, the free right. uh, t-shirt so that people can come in the store. And now that they're in the store, we're going to sell you a thousand dollar Armani suit. Well, the vaccines make everybody sick at some level or eight out of 10 people get ill in some way. So now we've got this really expensive book of business of all these other drugs that we can sell you through the hands of the pediatrician and the family doctors to, to generate a $1.3 trillion business on the back of unhealthy vaccinated kids. If you pulled that out and had only healthy unvaccinated kids, who are they going to sell their drugs to over the next 15 to 20 years? That's exactly right. Well, they built in and the model is built in using vaccines and using the unhealthy food pyramid and on and on and on. The whole, you'd think if you were, if you did believe in conspiracies, you'd think they got a pretty... That's just, a heck of a business they've, model. They've got a heck of a business model that they've created, keeping people sick. And yep. that's, the, that's the goal of the pharmaceutical companies is to keep people sick. Well, what Dr. Sherry Tenpenny does in Cleveland, Ohio, we do here in Houston, Texas. We help people get healthy and well naturally without pharmaceutical drugs. Good, healthy eating lifestyle, replenishment of your hormones, vitamin and mineral supplementation for detoxification, as well as exercise. And if you have allergies, we test and treat for airborne and food allergies as well. So that's done naturally. These are all natural approaches to health. But Dr. Tenpenny's warning to you as parents and grandparents is to ensure that you don't let your children be covered up with all these vaccines, especially in the first year of life. That's just crazy to do that. And, and you know, only God knows the long-term adverse effects. But we know it's not going to be healthy. We know it's going to have long-term adverse effects. If you want more information about vaccinations and their dangers, I'd recommend you simply Google Sherry, Dr. Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I, Tenpenny, T-E-N-Penny, P-E-N-N-Y, or go to her website. The best one is Vaxter, V-A-X-X-T-E-R.com, right? Yep. Or they can go to my clinic's website, which is tenpennyimc.com. IMC stands for Integrative Medical Center. So tenpennyimc.com. And uh, find out if, you know, if you've, you've got all of your friends, you, all of you that are living in Texas, if you've got friends and family member that are in Cleveland, um, come and see us here. She'd be great for you to send family members who happen to have not been bright enough to move down here to Texas yet, and they're still stuck, <laughs> still stuck in Ohio <laughs> on the freezing to death every winter. Listen, uh, Sh uh, Sherry, Dr. Timpenny's got two good books you need to look at, Saying No to Vaccines, A Resource Guide for All Ages, and Foul, Bird Flu is Not What You Think It Is. And you can look, and I presume they can get those online or get them from Amazon.com. It's Tenpenny, um, T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y. You know, they can get them from our website. Okay. 
They can get them from Baxter, they can get it from Tenpenny IMC, or they can get it from my Facebook page, which is Dr. Tenpenny on Vaccines. I, you know, I'm a proud host of 235,000 members on my Facebook page. And you Congratulations. That's, yeah, that's the, Dr. Tenpenny, thank you for leading the effort to oppose the pharmaceutical companies and what they've done to promote the burgeoning use of these vaccines which cause, as we know, a host of effects. Now, let me mention one thing, folks. Dr. Tempenny just didn't dream this up. I mean, she didn't all of a sudden just dream up, I'm going to go after vaccines. She learned about it and studied it, has studied over 30,000 hours. Divide, what would that be? That would be, that would be, what is, what is 40 into 30,000? It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, how many? <laughs> how many? That's the answer. A uh, lot. How many weeks? I mean, how many weeks? Forty-hour weeks would it take to bunches? Do Let's look at that. And it's really true because there were times, like when I was writing or working on the book or working on presentations, that I would take entire weeks off from work and go hole up in a room and work like eighteen, read and study eighteen hours a day. There's one additional site that I'd really like to get people to know about, and it's I've spent the last seven months creating an online educational course called Mastering Vaccine Info. And Mastering Vaccine Info is mo- is a modular course. We will be it will be open for enrollment in July of this year. If you go to masteringvaccineinfo.com and put your email into the the box that drops down, that will put you into our waiting or into our um, our waiting list. And starting June the first, I'm going to be sending out a lot of information about what the core content is all about. The course is called Mastering Vaccine Info intensive boot camp. It's an eight-week course that will really drill down on the most important aspects of this vaccine information. And I put this together, Steve, because, you know, there's so much information out there. I mean, people can just be totally overwhelmed. So I I boiled all this down into 30-minute modules so that people can listen on the run. They can listen in their car. There, Every Monday, you will get a, a piece of content delivered, a presentation delivered. And every Thursday night, my my partner and I, who is that he's a language and behavioral expert. Every Thursday night, we will be hosting an online class to discuss that week's content, and we'll teach you how to take that content and put it into language where you can win arguments and you can successfully use this discussion against family members and friends and and your pediatrician and whoever that you, we were going to build confidence and competent parents articulate and intelligent leaders and articulate activists. And so that's our courses enrolled, it begins in July. So if people go to masteringvaccineinfo.com, get on our waiting list, begin, you have to get into that email list. And starting June the 1st, you're gonna be hearing a lot more about the course, what it's all about, how you can participate. And then after the course is over, what what's next? What are the next steps from there? Well, that's tremendous. And by the way, as I mentioned, Dr. Tenpenny is probably the world expert on vaccines. And I say that because she studied 30,000 hours, which works out to 14.4 solid years, 52 weeks a year, no break. If you if you take 30,000 hours, that works out to 14.4 years of 40-hour work week. So that's that's uh, a tremendous amount of education. 
And they say if you read five books on a subject, you're a world expert. Well, this woman has has, <laughs> has, has read, has read every article ever written <laughs> about bar. vaccines. Remember, she's got all this. This is all on her. She's got all this on her database, all the documentation of all this. So that's why you need to listen up. And thank you for bringing us a wonderful program, Dr. Tenpenny. And thank you for your extraordinary work. We are grateful to you. And thank you for your leadership. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for all the work that you've done for all of us for all these years, too, Dr. Otsi. Thank you for your long-term work in, in the field of integrative health. Well, thank you so much. God bless you now. And so if you would like to find out more information on Dr. Tenpenny, just Google her like Dr. Hotsey said, Sherry Tenpenny. And you may be watching this program and maybe you're a little depressed. You're like, gosh, where do I start? There's just so much information you know what? You start today. You take those steps today. You can go on our website. You can go to HOTCHWC.com. Take our symptom checker. That's HOTCHWC.com. Or you can call us, have a conversation with us. We'd love to get you on that path of health and wellness. 281-698-8698. That's 281-698-8698. Thank you for joining us today here at Dr. Hotsey's Wellness Revolution. provided on this radio program is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice and is not intended to replace the services of a physician, nor does it constitute a doctor-patient relationship. You should not use information from this radio program to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without consulting with a qualified health care provider. If you have or suspect you have an urgent medical problem, promptly contact a professional health care provider or call 911. Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution Radio Program advises you to always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health provider prior to starting any new treatment or with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Any application of the recommendations from this radio program is at the listener's discretion.